I've had uh, several conversations with um, some Christians recently, loosely speaking, um, who've wanted to talk to me about things like uh, karma, um, reincarnation, and past lives, and some people really um, taking stock in these things or questioning uh, their validity, maybe from things they're hearing through friends or watching on TV. and uh, one of these people I was talking to was, was almost baffled when I denied these beliefs, when asking me, knowing that I'm a pastor, what I thought about things like past lives and reincarnation and karma. And uh, I said that, well, those things are actually antithetical to Christian teaching. Um, uh, you know, you believe what you want, uh, but this is what I believe. Um, uh, that those things, uh, you cannot be a Christian and believe in those things. If you're a Christian, you believe that we have one life to live. Um, and in fact, you don't, whereas karma says you get, you know, you, you reap what you sow in the world. It, what, what, the bad that you put out comes back to you. The good that you put out, good comes back to you. And Christianity says you don't get what you deserve. Uh, Christianity uh, basically says that you you deserve uh, punishment and wrath and damnation, and you don't get that because of Jesus Christ. And there's the good news, and that's the opposite of karma, in fact. Uh, I bring this up because uh, that's kind of similar to the type of teaching that is uh, addressed in the epistle to the Colossians. And today we're rounding out sort of a three or four week series I think we've had on uh, teachings uh, from Colossians. Um, And next uh, week, by the way, for the whole month of August, we'll be looking at Hebrews. If you want to start studying that uh, in your Bibles at home. But with Colossians, unlike Galatians, which we studied about a month ago, uh, where Paul is addressing uh, legalism uh, and works righteousness, that's the main concern in Galatians. The main concern in Colossians is a competition uh, between uh, Christ and uh, other sort of uh, spiritual or supernatural beliefs and beings. Uh, There's more of a concern about things like transcendence, uh, paganism, or uh, cosmic powers. And it's comparable, as I said at first, to contemporary spiritualities. As a matter of fact, I mean, it's not a one-to-one correspondence. It's not identical per se. But what Paul's addressing in Colossians might be more similar to the type of stuff that that we face in, in the 21st century in the United States. We have our fair share of legalism, to be sure. But there's a lot of things out there uh, that are causing people to ask me questions about what do I believe about stuff like reincarnation. Uh, and not just that, karma, as I said, past lives, astrology, tarot cards, or sort of making a resurgence, um, le- reaching levels of higher consciousness. I remember when I was living in San Francisco, one of my friends, we were sitting on a beach, and he said, um, I got this new weed, if we smoke it, you will, uh, you will, you will meet God. Do you want to smoke this with me and and encounter God? And I said that is a drug that I don't want to do. I, mean, that, I am a uh, that might be great for you, but that scares the bejesus out of me. Um, um, but you know, I mean, here he was trying to find something that would provide him a sense of spiritual transcendence and. Uh, and, and something like a drug. Uh, or you might see people talking about stuff like self-actualization, things that seem pantheistic or synchronistic, uh, 
or uh, ancient aliens, you know, I mean, uh, who, uh, who, who have uh, created humanity, if you watch the Discovery Channel and things like that. People, I think, want to believe stuff like this. We want to believe stuff like this to make sense of the world around us. You know, we, we want to, to uh, dabble with this type of spirituality because it helps us make sense of a world that's confusing. There's a lot about um, existence that obviously seems quite invisible to us. And we hope that uh, by achieving uh, spirituality through transcendence and stuff like that, it might make this chaotic, confusing world uh, more understandable. We have a sort of mystical hunger. Um, and these beliefs, as Paul says in Colossians, have a, an appearance of wisdom about them. Often on the surface, when we, we talk about something like karma, um, reincarnation, there's an appearance of wisdom about that, you know, at first blush that might sound good and attractive and help us make sense of a life that uh, seems too short-lived, you know, or unjust, for example, um, out of my control. But Paul's response uh, to the Colossians is that Jesus Christ is enough. You have Jesus. Uh, Epaphras, your pastor, has preached the gospel to you, and that's enough. You don't need to add more on top of it. Uh, you don't have to find a new spirituality and shoehorn it into the Christian message. You want to be spiritual? Focus on Christ, is basically what he's saying. You want to make the invisible visible? Well, Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. The things that are hidden have been disclosed in him. Uh, the wisdom of the universe was incarnate and took on materiality, took on human flesh to help us understand some of what is ununderstandable un about God. And not only that, because of that, uh, we were, although we were once dead uh, uh, in our trespasses, we've been made alive in Christ, the very one who has took on human flesh. And these, spiritual, these silly spiritualities are useless to us who have died to the elemental spirits of the world. Uh, yes, there are things like angels and sinister demonic forces, but Jesus Christ is the Lord of them. They're not above him. Uh, there are angels, but he's the Lord not only of us, but he's the Lord of the entire universe. So don't waste your time uh, putting your faith on something that is under, uh, that is under God in Christ. And so our spirituality uh, takes place uh, in this life and world right here in this materiality which Christ entered. We don't need to escape it, but our spirituality takes place right here where we walk among our neighbors. We walk in Christ. Our spirituality is the, the fruit of our faith. It is love. Our spirituality is not an escape from this world. Our spirituality is a diving deeper into this world, not because uh, we love it per se, but because we want to toil and suffer amongst uh, fellow people. Uh, as James says, like that is true religion, is to, to, to take care of the sick, the poor, the needy. Uh, you don't need to leave uh, and have transcendence. Uh, it's right here. And Jesus Christ has won that for us. And this is all what uh, chapter 3 is all about. How we have uh, died to this fallen world and to the domain of the devil. We have been raised uh, from this death and made alive in Christ. And we are now new creatures. 
We were once dead, but we are now alive in Christ. The way of the old Adam is to be a slave to this world, a slave to things like sex and passions, slave to coveting what we don't have, slave to anger, malice, and slander, slave to lies. Whereas the way of the new Adam is to be free, to love, to finally love one another, to have compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing, forgiving, and loving others, not using them for our own passions. This is uh, the message that Paul gets at towards the end of this letter. And admittedly, I get nervous when talking about these things. If you've been around the Advent long enough, uh, you know that we get nervous around these things that tell you what to do uh, because it starts to smack of works righteousness. Uh, but often when you're uh, grappling with the epistles at the end of the New Testament, uh, toward the end, um, there's, there are admonitions, there, uh, there's advice, uh, there's, uh, there are sets of principles about how to live a Christian life. And uh, it, can, it can sound, when decontextualized, like these are the things that you need to do to earn your righteousness with God. But we're beyond that. We're beyond the need for salvation. Uh, we've got it in Jesus Christ. We're after that. Uh, and we read these principles as free people that show us what it's like to live as a free person. Remember, I read a couple of few weeks ago, I think maybe when we started uh, looking at Colossians Article 12 of the 39 Articles of Religion, uh, which is uh, the historic confession of faith of Anglicanism, where it says, albeit that good works, which are the fruits of faith, follow after justification, cannot put away our sins and endure the severity of God's judgment, yet they are pleasing and acceptable to God in Christ and do spring out necessarily of a true and lively faith and so much that by them a lively faith may be as evidently known as a tree discerned by the fruit. We've, so we've died, from, we've died to our need to earn righteousness, and we are now alive and free to bear fruit. We've been grafted into the vine of life that allows us to bear that good fruit. And so how can you get there? You know, how can you get there to be the type of person uh, that has this lively faith that's alive, that bears good fruit of, of these uh, good things that Paul talks about and puts away the bad things that Paul also talks about? Well, hear the gospel. You need to hear the good news. You need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And just go back to the very beginning of Colossians where Paul says this, In Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of the flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach for him. He's done it for you. He's earned your righteousness through the blood of his cross to present you to God uh, as, as righteousness. We should respond as people who were once zombies walking around on this earth and who are now been revivified to have life with absolute gratitude. Uh, and we uh, must uh, do nothing now but respond uh, 
and from that place of gratitude for what has been done on our behalf. And Paul equates this in Colossians to singing. Paul equates the, the response of gratitude that we have for what's been done for us, those who once were do- dead and now are alive, with singing a song. As the old hymn says, I can't help but keep from singing. Uh, and Paul says here, uh, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the good news dwell in you richly. This this word from God, this, this, this emancipation proclamation dwell inside of you richly. Uh, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Well, I read, uh, maybe you came in a little bit late, I read at the very beginning one of the devotions out of this book uh, by Sally Lloyd-Jones called Thoughts uh, to Make Your Heart Sing. Thoughts, the, 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 word, the word of the Lord to dwell in you richly that will make your heart sing that are in here. This is for children. And there's one, another one at the very beginning that's also about singing. But the whole stance of this book is that uh, God created through, he created the cosmos through his own singing. And the world is responding through song. And we once were fallen and forgot how to sing. And now we have the good news of Jesus and now know how to find our song again and sing. And this is what she says, sing your song. The whole world is singing a song. Have you heard it? The wind is whispering it in the trees. The rain is dancing it on the rooftops. The whole of creation is singing it out together. God loves us. He made us. He's very pleased with us. It's a song that's been sung since the beginning. The song God created everything in his world to sing. It's the song without words. It's a song you were created to sing, too. We forgot our song long ago when we turned and ran away from God. But Jesus has come to bring us home to God and give us back our song. So go on, sing your song. And a passage from Psalm 100. Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Come before him, singing with joy. He made us and we are his. Well, uh, you know, I can't muster this up inside of you. Only the Holy Spirit can, can do it. But I'm trying to, to infect you with some sort of enthusiasm about the good news of what's been done on, on your behalf. And we'll shortly after this sermon uh, sing a song and we'll sing several more. And I hope that, especially if they're ones that are familiar with you, but even if they aren't familiar to you, that you'll sing with gusto, you know, um, in response to this good news. But uh, there's one... Uh, song that I've been thinking tons about lately that absolutely uh, relates to what I'm trying to talk about because, uh, again, the, the message of Colossians is y- you once were this and now you're that. You once were dead and you now are alive. You've taken off the old self and put on the new self, a new garment of righteousness. Uh, and this song that I've been thinking about is called Two Coats. Have you heard it before? It's an old folk song. Zach, take Note, I think the band should start singing this song. Um, if I would have thought about it sooner, I would have requested it for tonight. But let me just read these lyrics uh, from this song, which is responding to this message of good news, but also talking about the exactly what Paul's trying to get at in Colossians. 
Two coats were before me, an old and a new. I asked my sweet master, oh, what must I do? The old coat was ugly, so tattered and torn. The other, a new one, had never been worn. I'll tell you the best thing I ever did. I took off the old coat and put on the new. The first man was earthy and made from the ground. We bore all his image, the whole world around. The next was my Savior from heaven so fair. He bought me this new coat you now see me wear. I'll tell you the best thing I ever did. I took off the old coat and put on the new. Now this coat, it suits me and keeps me warm. It's good in the winter. It's good in the storm. My Savior has dressed me in a garment so rare. He bought me this new coat you now see me wear. I'll tell you the best thing I ever did. I took off the old coat and put on the new. I'll tell you the best thing I ever did. I took off the old coat and put on the new. Well, uh, let that message uh, dwell in you richly. You know, you once had an old garment, uh, the, the garment of the old Adam, but have the new garment of righteousness in the uh, new Adam. And uh, uh, I hope that your, your heart can't help but to sing with gusto the rest of the service and response. But not only that, that your life uh, lived in light of Christ uh, is like a song. Song, And although we often fail on a day-to-day basis, know that we constantly can come back to this good news through repentance uh, and c- continue to carry on to sing in our lives. Amen.